Saint Aubin's life was special from the start, for he was born a prince, heir to a throne. But it would soon be clear he had no heart for ruling. Early on, he made it known that he determined to serve God. The king, enraged, sent him to prison till he owned his foolish choice and take instead the ring and scepter that were rightly his. He would not be persuaded, though he could not bring himself to disobey his loving, good, and sovereign lord. And soon it was made clear no prison chains or royal efforts would deter him from his choice. He would not hear of any calling, but to serve the Lord. Welcome to the Inverse Theology Project. I'm your host, T.M. Moore. This is Volume 14, Number 3, Historical Theology. Charles Plummer's series of Lives of Irish Saints was a labor of love, as we've seen. The stories contained in this meticulous volume give us insights to the nature of Celtic Christianity in the early medieval period. We begin with Plummer's translation of The Life of Aben, whose story will serve as a template for the other Irish heroes we visit in this series. Here is part two of Lives of Irish Saints, Aben, the Primacy of the Kingdom. In Plummer's catalog of saints, we start with Aben. His precise dates are not clear. Two items might suggest he played a part in Ireland's coming to the faith quite near the start, for Patrick shows up twice once to foretell of Aben's birth. He will appear again in something Aben had to do while getting ready for his ministry. That puts him maybe late 400s? Two more details complicate this date. First, he blessed monasteries, but these first began to multiply in the next century. We also read he was an ordinand of Gregory, presumably the Great, whose service in the papacy began in 590, which is, of course, a date too far removed from Patrick, who had died a hundred years before. If it was late in Patrick's life that he worked side by side with Aben, then the monasteries could be possible, and Aben could be tied to early ones. And let's suppose the good scribe who first wrote down Aben's life lived when the Pope was Gregory the Great. He could have used this well-respected name to lend to Aben greater honor. Such a trope is not uncommon in these works. So then Pope Gregory the Great was not the Pope when Aben was ordained, and we will fix a date for Aben's flourishing and hope we're not too far off somewhere in the mix of things right near the start of century six. St. Aben's life was special from the start, for he was born a prince, heir to a throne. But it would soon be clear he had no heart for ruling. Early on he made it known that he determined to serve God. The king, enraged, sent him to prison till he owned his foolish choice and take instead the ring and scepter that were rightly his. He would not be persuaded, though. He could not bring himself to disobey his loving, good, and sovereign lord. And soon it was made clear no prison chains or royal efforts could deter him from his choice. He would not hear of any calling but to serve the Lord. The king relented and allowed his dear son to pursue his studies in the word and to become a monk. And thus a theme is set. God's kingdom is to be preferred to any earthly powers, although they seem oh so formidable. His word is true. His will is sure. His servants must redeem their time obeying God in all they do and find in him all their security. Thus he will guide and see them safely through. As mentioned, Abed's father meant that he should be prepared for rule, and so he set him off for fostering, that he might be instructed in the kingly arts. He spent his early childhood thus, but showed no zeal for royal preparations. Yet his bent for learning was profound. His faith was real and lively, and he showed great aptitude for scripture. 
All he heard, he would then seal up in his memory, which would include strict application of it day by day. His foster parents intervened and sued for him before the king to have his way and train for ordination. So the king sent him, age 12, to study with and stay with Bishop Eubar. And in everything, God's grace was manifestly on him. He would study with the bishop, learn to sing the Psalter, and engage in ministry. He went with Eubar on a trip to Rome. But on their journey to the Holy, Holy See, they were detained so very far from home by a contentious king who threatened to destroy them unless one of them should some specific miracle agree to do. He charged them to, by just their breath, bring light upon a candle. Well, you can guess who it was who passed this test, and you'd be right if you said Aben. First he overcame a king who was opposing him. Now light comes to another king in Jesus' name through Aben. Further, Aben helped this king by overcoming vicious beasts. His fame increased as he was able then to bring to life again the king's dead wife. On their return to Ireland, he subdued the wrath and sting of demons, proving to the leaders there that he deserved to be a priest. He went to Rome and was ordained by Peter's chair to preach the word and serve the sacrament, and thus all his remaining years were spent. In Ireland, Aben was the shepherd of three churches, though he started many more. He trained and ordained pastors in the love of Christ to serve the flocks in faith before the Lord. He preached the gospel as he went about the countryside, and many more believed because of him. His soul was spent in caring for the needs of people, and he often strove with men of ill intent to win them to the Lord. He reached his hand to heal the sick, brought warring tribes to peace, and built monasteries on the land that rulers gave him. And he taught and cared for all the monks who came to him to learn. Though they were many, Aben freely shared with them the way of grace, that we must turn from sin to trust in Jesus if we would have everlasting life. No man can earn salvation by his works, by being good enough. We must repent of all our sin and put our faith in Jesus. All men should. From childhood, Aben meditated in the scriptures, and he took them all to heart. He worked to overcome the power of sin, to lead men to the Savior, to impart his love to one and all, and to ensure the Christian faith would make more than a start in Ireland. He was pious, brave, and pure of heart, committed to the relief the needs of others, and to determine to endure whatever hardship as he sowed the seeds of faith in Jesus by his words and deeds." In Charles Plummer's great translation of the lives of Irish saints so carefully and diligently arranged and with such love, the stories are put alphabetically in order, so the book does not prevent a chronological account. But we can see the wisdom which, without intent, stands out in his account of Aben. Here we have a pattern, though it was not meant as such, for all that follows. It is clear that Aben is a type of all those who will follow after him, though they be near in time or distant. Aben points us to defining attributes and works which we will see in all the other heroes through the lives of Irish saints, their certainty of being called by God, devotion to the scriptures, and unwillingness to be dissuaded from their work, the mentors who prepare them, their evangelistic zeal, the healings and the miracles they do, the special ways the Savior would reveal his will to them, the many who are drawn to them to learn from them the true and real philosophy of life. And throw in here and there a monster or a demon to engage the Celtic way of making clear a hero's greatness. And in Aben, we have a pattern for hagiography. 
Visit our website, www.ilba.org, to discover the wealth of resources available to help you grow in your walk with and work for the Lord. You can review all the previous editions of the Inverse Theology Project by going to the website, clicking the Resources tab, then clicking the Inverse Theology Masthead. In our next installment, we return to the Westminster Confession of Faith as we continue to trace the outlines of systematic theology as presented in that great summary from the Reformed tradition. Until then, for the Fellowship of Iowa and the Inverse Theology Project, this is T.M. Moore.